This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. gentlemen good morning Dwayne and James good morning yes we got the brain trust the brain trust you betcha and those of you who watch scrubs knows what that means so anyway yeah I remember when I was taking static and, and at tech it it occurred to me the teacher was up there explaining it cantilever trust and then I saw the really good looking girl next to me I realized you know a bra is a cantilever trust <laughs> okay good we'll, we'll go with that did you see that is that was that really uh elon musk that praised boobs on the on on yes <laughs> he says it unites us all <laughs> it was that meme you know where the guy's with his girlfriend and he turns around and looks at another girl going by yeah, and that's a big meme. And someone had enhanced the young lady's. Uh, yeah, I saw that chest. And uh, you know, someone said, uh, you know, they posted it, and then he reposted it, saying uh, some things. I think he said some things unify, you know, unite us all. So anyway, well, the funny thing about that, that is one of my favorite memes. That that guy holding hands with that girl, and she's looking at him like, "What are you doing?" But what's funny is, I think the girl who's angry is better looking than the one who's walking towards us. I, I think that's the point of the meme that men will look right uh, away. They have the very pretty, wonderful woman next to them. So. Oh, yeah, I'm so stupid. I didn't pick that. Well, you know, I'm going to start the podcast because it's going to lead us into what we need to anyway. Um, you know, Glenn is a big Scott Adams fan. I'm not saying he agrees with everything Scott Adams says, but. Pretty much, I can tell that even the way Dwayne does, I mean, even the way Glenn does the PJ's coffee promo at the end is very similar to what what uh, Scott Adams does. Not that Glenn is copying him, but he's influenced by him. And yes. and but what happened was was when I was on that X Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I I came across the fact that that Scott Adams has a has a podcast, which Glenn's told me he does, but. He has the voice that'll put me to sleep. And so <laughs> I will put that on at, at lunch for now. I've been putting it on, putting him on, so because it puts me to sleep. And then I and I'm I put it towards the end usually, so it'll go off while I'm sleeping. But he's got a soothing voice, in my opinion. And the only other thing that puts me to sleep better is NASCAR. If I if on a Sunday, if I can't if I want to take a nap and I can't fall asleep, I can put on NASCAR and I'm out. Wow. You can go to sleep anyway. But I got a treat yesterday. I I, I sent that to comrades. Uh, if you look at yesterday's podcast that 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 Scott Adams did at the twenty five minute mark, he has been say he said succinctly and calmly what I've been ranting about, and that is that Joe Biden is a criminal, that he's a commie, that he's a murderer. 
I've been, you know, remember you guys didn't want me to put on there that these guys are all murderers, that they're evil, evil people. Child, child murderers is what we didn't want you to put on there. Well, they're that too. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. <laughs> that, 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 that Joe Biden is an evil man, and he was a, a plagiarist back when Back in the day, but when he was just in Congress, he was a, he was known for being evil. Then he's a liar. He's a he's a he's a uh, extortioner. He is everything that you don't. But 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 the, the Scott Adams made the point that if if you if you would have a video of Hitler being shot in the forehead, would you watch it? And would you, and and I know for Stalin that I would. I I, I might play that every morning for. For to be um, encouraged about the positiveness of the day is to see see him get shot. And just like Scott Adams, I absolutely, positively, unequivocally do not believe in murder. Do not believe in assassination. Do not. I do not want somebody to do it. Not at all. He made that point. With with Joe Biden, it's handed to us, and he made that's where he made the point that I didn't pick up on, and I thought was really insightful. That is, everybody's saying it's elder abuse to put him up there, and. That's okay. That's okay. You keep putting him up there, bad guys, so we can have the thrill of seeing that lifeless body get dragged off the stage. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to have a revolution. We don't need to do it. I am so against it anyway. Anybody who knows me and know a lot of history, revolutions don't work. And so you can't have them. It's got to be done. It has to be done right. But... I now have a completely different view about it. I'm going to watch every chance I get to see Biden live. I'm going to watch it because I might get treated to that man's demise. That evil crook, that thief, that liar, that child molester. I can't stand that man. And he and a bullet's too good for him. I like it like it is. He's going to die on stage. What do you guys think of that? I think, uh, I don't know, he's my enemy. Yeah. Because the way they keep putting him up there, because if he keeps, you know, does a Super Bowl ad basically saying, you know, uh, shrinkflation, which should be called Bidenflation. And I'm like, what the heck do you got, want him to do? If they raise the prices, you say they were gouging people. They're not. You're making that thing happen. Oh, he's a commie. Of- yeah, he's a commie. And he's he costed us money. He's costed us those type of things. And, and, you know, a friend of mine says, well, I'm never affected by it. How can you say that? You know, it cost us $200. Just look at your taxes. Well, no, but we yeah. we, we, we had a, a, a family, yeah, just strictly family, Super Bowl. John Hayfley came over. That was it. But he's family. You know, you are. And, and, and But that was it, right? So... I want to say it was like two hundred dollars. We didn't get anything. You know, yes, it's affecting us. But anyway, um, I do believe he's an evil man, and I am going to enjoy watching him die. And and, and I, I I I I know that sounds horrible, but he it does. It sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. But it's true. He is an evil man. That's he is an evil, rotten, despicable criminal. That's what he is. So now, why do you say that it's bad? 
because the humanity says a human being's life has value, um, but of course we like the demise of evil at well, the same time. So there, there is a little bit of a conflict there for a civilized person. Well, I, I got to thinking about that because you know I did take the Catholic class twice and never did confirm, but I went twice, and there and and at least the people in the diocese that that we're in here apparently is against capital punishment. I'm not sure if it's that an entire Catholic thing, but I believe it is. But they went through the fact that you don't want anybody to die because you want to leave Jesus that opportunity to reach no matter how hardened or how bad of a criminal or a sinner this person was, that each breath that that you can keep in him might be when he turns towards Christ. Granted. Okay. But let's suppose, though, that I'm going to make up a name. I don't know any Freddies, so I'm going to make up a Freddy. Don't know a single Freddy. So if you're a Freddy, I'm not talking about you. But if if Freddy is killing people and you catch him, you don't let him go. You got to put him in prison. Well, if they won't put him in prison, then he needs to die. Somebody's going to have to shoot him. Right? Right. Right. So, so, and ultimately, Freddy's going to die. You know, even if you don't shoot him, he's ultimately going to die. Well, let's suppose that Freddy gets cancer and he's killed five of my friends. You know, I I, I would I, I would literally try to to um, get him to accept Christ, but he's he's evil, and I don't know what you do. Evil's got to die, doesn't he? Doesn't have to die? I, I I don't know. All I can say is that that man is evil, and I am ready for him to die on stage. I, I think it would be wrong for him to die where we all don't get to see it. Well, stage five dementia is uh, generally goes faster and faster as you fall off the cliff. And we've been seeing that it just within the past few weeks or even a month or two. Yeah, I, so I, he's, he's about gone, isn't he? Yeah. And so most people left and right were saying um, Joe Biden's chance of, of being on the final ballot in November was pretty good. But now after Thursday, even the left and independents are saying, hell no, he ain't going to make it. They have to get a substitute. And, and, and who do you think it's going to be? Well, that's what everybody's speculating. They've waited to the last minute, and this is kind of an unprecedented territory. It's always speculated every four years what might happen at these surprise conventions, but they never really ever do that sort of thing. So it's just an absolute crap shot at this point. Well, if you take my theory that Obama has, this was Obama's third term with with this evil man, Biden, then then that the evil that he does has to be controlled. And I think Big Mike is their only solution. They've got to put Big Mike in there to 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 continue this evil Biden administration. Well, if you start looking at the odds people are, are making, and I mean real people, real betting people, the uh, gambling industry, um, Big Mike is only 11 to 1 odds. Well, who's, what about uh, Hillary? I don't know that Hillary was on the list. You'd have to pull it up. Of course, you you got to know 
every day with all the political shenanigans going on, these odds are constantly changing. Just like if you're at the horse betting track and you're watching right prior, you know, the 15 minutes prior to a horse race, those odds constantly change. You're sitting there looking at the papers and studying the horse's history and you're deciding which one you want to pick. And you're looking at the odds and saying, well, that wouldn't, you know, I'll make a $5 bet on that horse to win and it'll be, you know, so-and-so odds, so I'll get paid X amount. Then you go up there and you pay for it and you lock it in and then the five minutes countdown to the race at the last minute, they change the odds of your horse so that it doesn't hardly pay crap. So Wait now a second, you, I win, you don't really win. I think I thought that once you place your bet, you 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 got to hold that position. You, no, you, your bet sticks, but the odds pay doesn't. No, no, the, the odds, odds pay, pay is changing as people are betting. I I I thought that they stayed. I thought that you could lock in on that odds, and then and then the next person. No, no. Oh, then that's stupid. that's not how it, that's not how it works. <laughs> you can't lock you can't lock in on that. That's 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 that can't. You be can't right. lock in on the odds. No, I, that can't be right. I'm just going to tell you that makes no sense. That makes, it, that does, makes no, it does for the people that that are running the bets. Yeah, but then nobody would ever bet. They do in droves. You see, you see what I'm saying is I don't think that's right. I, I don't bet at all. I don't gamble at all. We're going to have to take you to the horse track. All right, let me. Yeah. Let me explain. You'll see them change as they go. <laughs> I know they change, but if I buy, if I get it at three to one and it goes to two to one, I'm still locked in at three. Nope. Nope. No, you're not. Watch what I say. That can't. That <laughs> would. It would make no sense because what's driving those odds is you betting that betting that spread or betting whatever it is. I. I yep. So if you got a long shot and everybody starts betting the long shot, the odds will come down. I agree. Those people. Those people. It sucks for them. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't gamble at all. You could tell that. I have no. And, and am I going to the horse race? No. I'm not going to go waste my day at the horse race. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to tell you if you if you if you know if you know about gambling addictions and you're not susceptible to that and you're going with just a little bit of money for entertainment or educational purposes. Statistics is an area that overlaps in law a lot. You can go to the horse or dog track um, and you can study how statistics work in real time. It's a fantastic family-oriented thing to do to teach your upcoming kids about the downfalls of gambling and how statistics works. I've seen this thing. (laughs) Anyway. All right, so... Now the next thing that's up that that uh that Glenn and and, and uh Dwayne and I talked about in the green room, um, first of all, you know, are you ready, guys, to say that the Almighty Brain was right about Kennedy? I'm saying you're getting closer to me saying you were right. I'm not all the way there. I have cautious optimism, but I'm kind of suspect. That you might be right. We're not talking about the the presidential candidate that they're running to take away from. Uh, uh, I'm talking about our our senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. He he, yeah. I, you know, I remember back when when Jim was still at Old Dominion, his 
he, he had a, a professor who thought that Kennedy was hilarious. He would have all these one-liners. Henny Youngman type humor. Take my wife, please. Um, that, that guy. Um, uh, he, anyway, I kept telling everybody, you, 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 you can't go by that. And I'm going to say two things, that Cassidy is not representing Louisiana, yet he gets elected. He, yep. it, 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 it's rigged. How did how did we get a how did if that that election that particular election was rigged? How did how did we get in Louisiana as red state as we are? Did we get that commie in there during during COVID? It was rigged, and and that that's only the thing it is. So I've already suspected that that our two senators are communist sleeper cells, Russian sleeper. I can't say Russian anymore because we'll have to just say communist sleeper cells and so i've been and, and, and the thing about it is i have a litmus test i can look and see historically did this particular politician ever say the election was stolen and neither cassidy nor kennedy has said that and that means that they're sleepers when they're needed they'll come through for the democrats and that's what they did Sometimes I wonder if your litmus test isn't more akin to saying that I believe in UFO and aliens and Bigfoot, and it's just you lose your credibility with some when you say that. I'll, I I'll, I'll I risk it. I will risk my. I will risk losing my credibility with that because because I ultimately will be shown right, like I was with Kennedy. It it it, it, it works a hundred percent of the time. That's why Ben Shapiro, I was able to call Ben Shapiro. You can call these guys. If they won't say it was stolen, you know. Now, I think that, that finally, finally, Bowtie Boy has said it was stolen. I think that's right. Or maybe rigged. I'll take that. I'll, I'll accept rigged. Um, I don't know why they want to make that difference. And, and Glenn's tried to explain it to me. But the long and short of it is, that's how I knew. I knew that he, and he'll do it again. Now, he'll, he, now listen. They won't call on him for a while. Um, the I'm not worried about it. I, I'm willing to to go out on a limb with that theory and to call it what it is because I my problem, Dwayne, is I do believe that the, that, that that it's necessary that the Republican Party, as it stands, has got to collapse. It's got to it's got to die. And I think that you know is it is it because is it because he's been compromised? Perhaps. Perhaps. But he needs to step down if he's compromised. And I don't know. I don't know why they do it. I can't explain it except to tell you that it's a consistent theory that if they if they have never, if, a poli- if, if you make your money either being a politician or commenting on politicians and you have not said that election was stolen, then you're one of them. I'm going to go on that assumption, and and I don't care if I lose my credibility. And I do appreciate you telling telling me that, but I'm aware of it. I'm also aware that when I when I say that 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 interview with um, Tucker Carlson and Putin was nothing but communist propaganda, I don't care if 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 the right gets on me or not. I know. See what's happened here is the right has taken sides. The Democrats, communists have taken the Euro- Ukraine side, so everybody jumped on this. Russia side, and he's a freaking communist. He's a communist. That's what he is. You can't trust him. He's a. He's that means he's a murderer. That means he doesn't care about his people. I, I don't. I don't know that there's only two sides in this situation. That 
You know, I, I can look at the left and they're throwing out tons of propaganda why we should be sending 95 billion, passing a 95 billion aid that includes 60 billion to Ukraine. Well, no, no, no. Uh, I'm against that. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of against that. Why, why are we doing that? Well, I don't understand it, but I'm against it. But I'm against somebody saying Putin's good too. What should have happened? I'm not, I don't think I don't think Tucker's interview um, was trying to portray Putin as good. He gave him opportunity to to have 95 million people or some crazy hits hear this this guy spit out Russian propaganda. Well, what what Tucker also said is it's going to take me a while to process and analyze this. I think you're going to see one or a series of Tucker releasing videos talking about the interview and analyzing what is propaganda. Okay, well, let's get off him for just a second and, and stick with this, that the conservatives, the right, has taken the side of Russia in this thing. The liberals have taken the side of Ukraine. That tells me two well, things. Well, 22 of them didn't today. Two of them. So, all right. So, to go back to the thought, I mean, you, it really threw me off this time. I'm sorry. The, 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 the fact is that most, most, the predominant view is that the Republicans have taken the side of Russia and the Democrats have taken the side of Ukraine. And I, I took the side from the beginning. It was a fake war. It was all there to divert from the problems that they had at the time and to launder money. That's all this was. We had no business in that war at all. We didn't have any business. It was not on our block. It's not... It's not something we need to worry about. This crap about saying, oh, we can't defend our ally, Taiwan, if, if, if China attacks. That's a completely different thing. We talk about hegemony and things like that. But we didn't have any business in that war, and it, it, that fake war. All it did was, was, was wipe us out, you know, cause inflation, like you say, and, and, it, and, and allow the Democrats to launder money. But you're right. How many? How many did you say it was? Twenty-two. How many did? How many Republicans went that way? I think it was twenty-two this morning that voted to pass now a foreign aid package that doesn't fix our border. Yeah. So it's it's and John Kennedy and Bill Cassidy from Louisiana were were, were two of them that cast that way that vote. Yep. Thumbs up. I think it's eighteen, maybe. I'm trying to count. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have all their names here. But yeah. yeah, you set them up here. I, some of them, most of them I've heard of. Um, and, 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 but my, my favorite one is Mitt Romney. Oh, this is the most important bill we've ever voted on. How, how, let me ask that, that Rona, Corona, or whatever her name was, that stepped down as the Republican chair. Was, yeah, is she kin to Mitt Romney? I don't know. I'll have to look that up, but I don't know. I think I, something tells me she is. Anyway, all right. So, so what's good? It, it, that means it's just this this bill. Explain what the bill is, uh, Dwayne. It's a huge for. It's a ninety-five billion. Billion plus a few dollars over, but roughly 95 billion aid to Ukraine, 
Israel, Taiwan, and some other minor stuff. The biggest thing in it is $60 billion to Ukraine. All right. And they did this under cloister, Last right? Time. They did it under cloister. They didn't even debate it in public, all right? Um, they, they, I don't know if they debated in public. I know that they, last night, they stayed all night debating it. So they clo- closed the vote at something like three or four Eastern this morning. Wow. My, yeah. To my understanding, all the debate took place behind closed doors, which is not democracy and supposed to be out in the open. Um, um, so, so now it has to go to the House, right? Yes, yeah. which, uh, which uh, Mike got Johnson. Mike Johnson has said it's dead on arrival. We get, we can only hope. There's 18 senators that are Republicans. Now, as, as the Speaker of the House, can he stop something going to the floor? There, yes, but there is a way around him. There has to be something like 218 votes, and they can go around him and bring it to so the how, floor. So how many rhinos does that take? What's that, what's that translate into? I don't know. Because I, I, I will say this. I will believe it's not passed. When, the, when it's not passed? <laughs> well, when, when Trump becomes president. They'll, they'll keep bringing, well, they'll here's keep something it. interesting in the current bill. Um, it has a provision in there that says um, the president shall not terminate or reduce funding for any program, project, or activity authorized by this act without prior approval from Congress. If the president attempts to do so, it shall be considered an impeachable offense, and the House of Representatives shall have the authority to initiate impeachment proceedings. End quote. As if they didn't have authority already. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> it, it's, I, I look at that statement as a you do you. <laughs> it's like somebody giving you permission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, it's in there. Like, no, no, I yeah. get you. I get you. I get you. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. The, all right, so Charlotte said this morning, you know, we, we, we've talked about it on this podcast, all three of us have, but it seemed like whatever the Democrats accuse us of, it's coming. They're doing it already. Um, the, 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 question, the question I have on, on this one is, is why did they put that in there? Um, uh, they, they're, wanting to, they're wanting to start passing laws that if a president comes in. All right, so I guess, let me make sure I get this. I read this. I read it, and it didn't seem that bad. It seemed stupid to me, but not that powerful. But let's see, if I get this right, they they the, the Congress passed a bill that ninety five million is going to Ukraine. All right, it, Sarah's here, and then um um, and then what the bill says is that if that doesn't get spent in by the next president. If it doesn't get spent in Ukraine, that's an impeachable offense. Yeah, if if the president yeah. halts or curtails that expenditure to that foreign country, that it's an impeachable offense. They're authorized to begin 
impeachment proceedings. They, they have to think Trump has a chance. That, that's the only thing that makes sense about well, it. Well, there's, yeah, they, they have to think he's doing it. <laughs> they might think it's inevitable. Uh, that's what I would say that says. It's as close as you can get to a bill of attainer without actually being a bill of attainer. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that left me speechless. I, I, you know, I, I, this is the, it, it's an interesting thing. It really is. It's interesting that they put that in there because when I read it, I was going like, well, that's that, what that doesn't make. How do you, how do you enforce this? I mean, you, my point that's is, it, yeah. you know, okay, we spent 94, 94 billion, but we withheld some because um, we're, we don't want to, we don't want to overdo it or whatever. We want to leave a buffer. Oh, no, that's the impeachable offense. I, you know, it, it makes no sense. Now, I will say this that every single bill that gets passed that says this is for purposes of building roads and any other awful purpose that the government wants, they always do that. Those, there's no such thing as earmark money. It's always it always has that clause at the end. So so if I was Donald Trump today, I would start announcing at the top of my lungs that basically that statement in there is a declaration of war against Russia. That Congress is trying to declare war against Russia. And that would put a lot of people in full freak out to start petitioning their House representatives. Well, like I said, until he swears in, I'll, that I'll, I'll believe that this bill doesn't get passed. That's the only way I, because I, I don't trust those people after after Obamacare, the way they pulled that off. They're willing to cheat. They're willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. And I, I really mean this. I don't. I think that a lot of the, the concern when Trump got elected was that they they could not cover their tracks. That's how Russia Gate got exposed. It would never have been exposed. In fact, it would be known that it would be known in history that Trump did all those things. Had Trump lost, he would have been known in history as peeing on the bed of Obama or whoever it was that was coming. He would have been known hanging around with Russian hoes. That's what it had been. But since he won and he got exonerated, it changed all that. But but they still didn't. Now, what do you say that there wasn't that there was no reasonable prosecutor would file file these charges against Hillary? You still yep. have it right. So, so. Even though she's guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that same thing is that Obama's got, Obama's got to hide it, cover his tracks. They've got to win. And I don't think they can trust just anybody in that spot. The only person they can trust is Big Mike. Big Mike has got to be who they're picking. And you don't think there's any possibility of who well, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past them, but but I would I would think that she's got too much baggage and she's as old as he is as Biden now and her husband. Yeah. You know, you well, know, they just had a they just had a uh, interview with her where somebody was urging her, some newsman was urging her to be sure you don't want her own, and she goes, oh, "Nothing's impossible." <laughs> oh, I think she would like to run, but you don't think they'd let her run. Right. Yeah, I, maybe. I don't know. I mean, she would be another one who could cover their tracks. Say good morning to Sarah. Good morning, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for existing today. How are y'all? 
That's excellent. We're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've solved all the world's problems but one. Okay, which one's the last one? Can they, can I get charged for your murder? Uh, if you murder me, yes. I know. You know, I kept thinking I have to say that better. Can I? Can I be? Can I be found guilt found guilty of murder for a murder you committed? Yes. That's well. That's that's the answer wow. in Michigan. I guess it's more involuntary manslaughter. Um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, after we had the podcast a couple of days ago, um, I dove deep into the Jennifer Crumbly thing because I like watching trials online. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, especially like on the weekends, if I'm just cleaning or doing something along those lines, I'll have it playing, um, while I work. And so that's what I did with this trial just because it, it, it is confusing to me how, I guess, like, how much do you have to prove to be able to convict a parent for a crime that their kid commits? Yeah, so that's that's why I got into it. And it's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and there's a backdrop. There's a backdrop that anytime it's involving a gun, I yeah think that 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 it's an attack on the Second Amendment. I'm assuming that. I'm assuming I, that it's an attack on a second. No, I agree with you because, like, that's I feel like that's what always happens with these school shooter cases is that people always go after gun rights immediately after, and it's interesting because, um, like the the school shooting, it's really a, a very uncommon occurrence and isn't nearly as representative of what like people actually use gun for guns for as like what. Um, like, okay, let's say you're doing, like, have violence going on. It's mostly gang violence that would be an issue where guns are being, um, overly represented, I guess. Uh, so here it's just a tiny fraction of what's, what's happening. Um, but. Why don't you update us on what you have learned since we've last spoken? Okay. Which would, for the listeners, that would have been the Monday podcast. Yeah. Um, so I think that what, what people, like, there's two different aspects to this case that people, um cling to one of them is the mental health aspect and the other one is whether the gun was secured properly um but i still think that even if it has to do with the gun being secured properly or not there would still have to be um i guess like a a suspicion or an understanding that his actions like the kid was going to do more than just potentially accidentally hurt himself or his friend or something like that um, so I would still think that that goes to what did they know about his personal life and did, did they actually think that he might be a, a shooter? Um, I understand the timeline a lot better and it, I feel like it makes it worse for a conviction, which is kind of frustrating because obviously we know that she was convicted. Um, but they have, they have a ton of text messages and uh journals and whatnot that go back to i think that the primary focus was around um spring of the year of the shooting which is 2021 and it starts off with some weird text messages from ethan the shooter um starting around march where he's talking about the house that they live in in a paranoid manner um, and and this is something too that I'm really interested in because y'all are all parents, and so I would like to know kind of at what point, like how you would react to certain things. With this one, 
he was sending okay so so the mom said that he's thought the house was haunted since they first moved into it because it was a very very old house and i guess it just had that look of being haunted so i, I what, yeah you know anytime you see something like an old victorian house you think yeah. it's got to be haunted and that's what we do with yours like <laughs> Fortunately, we were all adults and realized that's not a thing. But I do, I could see like a, a child's imagination um, kind of having that problem. So that was 2015, I think, whenever they bought the house. And this happened in 2021. So obviously, he's quite a few years older since they first bought it. But yeah, March of, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to start back in um, December of 2020. His parents, and I, I thought this was kind of, it just indicates what kind of parents they are. They bought him a Ouija board. So they're those type of people. And um, the kids would go down to a basement and play with the Ouija board. The mom would play pranks on them, like turning off the lights or whatever to freak them out. And then like, ha, ha, ha. Um, but March, he sent. Okay, so the mom would go out horse riding. And that's that's a big part of this for later on. But she was horse riding. And he starts sending a bunch of text about the house being haunted and um and saying like uh there's something just flew off the shelf and i'm really freaked out right now and i think like later on he was like um maybe that's not what's going on and just my paranoid and then he was like when are you getting home so it was a bunch of string messages in a row and the mom never responded and it happened i think a couple more times i think it, so that march 9th was one of them St. Patrick's Day, so March 17th and March 20th were just three different separate sets of messages from the kid saying that he was paranoid and um, thought that there were ghosts doing haunting things at the house. So that um, that's one of them. And then the next group of events that happens as far as like his mental health goes is his aunt died. His best friend moved away, and his dog died all around the same time. Oh, man, the dog. Honestly, the dog. The dog, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But the best friend, the, the, one, the, the one that I think hit him the most, other than the dog, did like the dog, uh, was his best friend moving away. Apparently, he only had one friend that would come over and hang out, and it was that kid. Um, they did literally everything together. The mom, they showed the mom's Facebook posts. And almost every photo her kid was in, the friend was in. So they were, uh, I guess what happened with that friend is he had an, I guess they had realized he had a very bad OCD problem, like parents did. And so they sent him to an alternative school out of state. I think he was supposed to be gone for a few months. So that happened October 31st. And the shooting happens like a month later. Um, but that those were the signs I think that the mom had that things were going on with him. Like obviously he did the moody teenager stuff where he didn't like to have pictures taken. And um, what people really don't like about the mom, I think, is that she had horses and she was with those horses three times a week uh, for I think three hours a day. And she would do snow patrol 10 hours a week, which I don't know what that means or entails. Not with them like Catherine the Great. Huh? Not with Ayo, stop that. No, okay. no, not like that. But she would go ride horses three times a week. And so basically the way that the Internet sees it is she was gone so much that the son started getting jealous of the horses. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and that I guess he was feeling alone and she didn't have time to see what he was going through. But yeah, that's uh that was it. Now later on, what we found out what was going on through that time, and this was the crazy part, is he was texting this friend some really weird stuff. So uh in March he sent a bunch of texts to his friends saying, um, whenever I see a little kid about a year old or a little more, I want to pick them up and run off them with them and torture them before they're throwing them off a cliff. And then he said, oh, So he was Spartan. Huh? I guess. Yeah. He's like, get rid of these firstborn children. Um four twenty-five, he said, I will kill any innocent. I don't care who I kill. I will kill who I feel like killing age gender i don't care and then in may i don't care about innocent killing the innocent is the same as killing the bad it it's both satisfies he spells innocent wrong too it's kind of really annoying glenn, glenn misspells it too he's not getting ready to kill anybody okay no that's true and then he had a bunch of journal entries that were again very creepy but the issue is the mom didn't check his phone ever and she didn't go through his stuff so she didn't ever see the journal entries and she never saw the texts. Negligent. Yes. Yes. But anyway, so I guess that, that's just kind of, those are more of the interesting things that I found I'm out. I'm just going to make sure nobody's mm-hmm. going to nominate this woman for mother of the year. Yes, exactly. Okay. Like I, I would not want her to be my mother and, but y'all didn't go through my phones either. Like I don't think I ever went through my te- my phone. You take it away sometimes. I went through Katie's once. Okay. Well, yeah, I think if you think that they're about to be dangerous, maybe to themselves. She knew it. Yeah. She did? Yeah. I mean, like you're, you won't remember this, but it was a blow up. Yeah. I twisted the phone and it was in. That was the end of that. Yeah. So what I did is I did give it back. You're going to, because of that, no more phones for the kids for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she's happy I did it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of the thing about parents punishing their kids is that you did a bunch of stuff uh, that I hated back in the day, but then you have a lot of respect for it later on whenever you realize, oh, that was actually helping me out significantly. Um, and she did get on to him. Again, it's hard to tell what was going on specifically in this relationship from the trial. And I feel like that alone, like if, I don't know, it's hard to judge the ins and outs of a parent and how their inner works, inner workings are um their day-to-day life with the kid because we really didn't get that picture full picture of exactly how it went and i do again think that three day three times a week going to ride horses does seem like quite a bit if you think about like she's going out there after work and she's there for about three hours she's getting home at eight so yeah she's she's kind of gone um a lot the other parent would be home she they were married um and and i thought this was interesting too I found statements from, they had another son, which is interesting. People thought that Ethan was an only son, uh, but they had a kid named I've Eli. I've been assuming that, yeah. Yeah, they had a, they had a kid named Eli. Uh, it was um, Jennifer's stepson, but James's biological son. And his statements about Ethan were really interesting because he said he didn't suffer depression or anything like that. He woke up happy, went to school, came home, played games. Now, to to be fair here, um, Ethan, uh, no, Eli moved out about seven months prior to the shooting, but that was still around the same time that 
Ethan was texting his friends talking about killing people and in his journals. Did the friends report it? Huh? Mm-mm. No. Nobody took him seriously. Then. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess. Um, but let's see. So he said that. Were they were just acquaintances, not friends. They were friends. They were absolutely friends. Again, they, okay. um, from the mom's statement, that kid was over all the time. I thought the OCD was his only friend. That's what's confusing us. Hmm? The OCD guy that got sent away. Oh, oh, you're talking about the son and the brother. Oh, the brothers being friends or not. All right. No. He had he was sending texts to, to friends. Yeah, to his OCD friend. Oh, that friend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay, that's what was confusing. Mm -hmm. We thought he was like locked up somewhere. No. Okay, so he's he's at a school for OCD people, but he's got his phone still, and he's sending. Wait, wait, wait! You got the timeline wrong. He's still living there at the uh, time. He moved out October thirtieth. We're, yeah, we're flashing back. Yeah, we're flashing back to whenever Eli lived with them still. All right, so the OCD parents' mother didn't see it either. No, and the OCD, and he was texting the OCD. How come she's not in trouble? That's a good question. Like people, I think that <laughs> I think that people did actually ask that, and they were like, "Do you really want to get another minor involved in this?" And um, and it's like, okay, that is an interesting question. I'm sorry. That's just. Do you really want to go into another trial despite we can get this gal, but let's not get the other one yeah. because that would make it complicated. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't sound like justice. Sorry. Gonna, I know. I agree with you. If you're going to say that it extends this far, then how far does it extend? Like, does it, does it extend to the school counselor? Because that's another one that I think is really interesting. I, I'll get to in just a little bit as far as the actual day of the shooting. But Eli, he also said, when I was living there, nothing seemed off. He was just quiet and kept to himself. So it, it apparently wasn't noticeable to anybody in the family. Now, it was interesting. Eli did move out. Because he had a rocky relationship with Jennifer. I don't know what she was doing, but this was also around the same time that the affair started. Um, so, but she. Who's and, Jennifer? Jennifer's the mom, sorry. Okay. Yeah, so. Is the last name Tompkins? <laughs> I don't know who that is. You have to be in the 60s to know that. Okay, I was not. I was, uh, I was 30 years later. I think it's Crumbly. Crumbly, yeah. Uh, with Jennifer's affair. Bear. Now, that was another thing. I think that these people were trying to make it seem like she was so consumed with other things that she didn't even like she didn't even really acknowledge her kids existence. But that's not true either with the affair. I thought it was that the, their stretch with the affair is interesting. So she was she was hooking up with a guy named Ryan that started in spring of 2021. And. They would meet up one time each week while he was getting off work and she was getting to work. They would, I guess their paths crossed close, close enough to where they could meet at Costco in the parking lot, have a rendezvous, and then that was it until the next week. Um, and she said that they went on two to three, she went on some two to three business trips and he would meet her on the business trips, but that was it. Um, so I would say that like, as far as, and it seemed like she was texting him and stuff, but, um, she said that that really didn't take a lot of time to actually schedule the hookups or anything, because that's what the prosecutors were trying to say is that she, like the, the affair wasn't like the time of the affair didn't just, wasn't just whenever the affair was happening. 
It also involved her texting him to try to like schedule hookups. And also she was on some kind of adult friend finder thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I didn't think any females were on there. Yeah. She, she's well, dang, one I can of go them. on there now. I Ew. thought it was just men. Oh, so now that was what was holding you back. We'll tell mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she apparently had a couple of people that she would meet up on those same business trips. Ew. Okay. Ew. Yeah. But again, the prosecutors are trying to say that that was taking up so much of her time that, I don't know, but she was like, no, it really doesn't. I just text them, hey, you want to meet up, basically. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think about the rest of this stuff. I mean, if he can fix her or be a bad, bad parent, that's easy. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. She's a horrible parent. We all can agree on that. But it does, it, like, first of all, did she have the signs of that mental depression? Like, could she? did you actually see that? I'm not sure. Because, again, he's a 15-year-old, a moody 15-year-old. Um. But, and the only problem he ever had at school, because she actually had an app. So he was a COVID kid where they were on online school for a bit and he hated it. That also seemed to really affect his mental health. Um, The only problem he had was missing assignments and having some bad grades. Um, And I know that that was causing him some like sadness, but yeah, the mom, like basically they would just get on to him and say like, get your grades up or whatever. Uh, yeah, I hope that that the bad grades isn't something that you should be considering that your son's getting ready to go kill people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even Doc didn't do all his homework. Yeah. Um, and, and something else, she they have an app that you can get one to schools. I guess like they connect to the school system or something like that where you can actually check their grades in real time. And you can check disciplinary problems in real time. And you can check whether they turn into assignments. And she would go check on that all the time. And again, that's kind of what sparked their arguments most of the time because he didn't eat like his brother even said, like, yeah, he never got in trouble. He was not doing drugs. He wasn't hanging out with the wrong crowd or anything like that. Um, okay. So we got weird journals. His journals were really weird. I've yeah. never read one of your guys' journals. Uh uh-uh. uh. And I I would I would be pissed because mm-hmm. like I would I would really feel like if you were going through my journals, because I did keep a couple of them, if you went through them, then I wouldn't have any sort of privacy at all right. to express my own thoughts. You had to do something to make me say, now I've got to look. Yeah. You disappeared. Yes. Where'd she, where'd she go? Well, I'm going to start looking through your stuff. Yeah. But I, but I, but you never, you did some things. You were, you were probably, you admit that probably the most problem child I had as far as getting in trouble. Well, not well, hanging with bad people. So that Katie got more trouble. Yeah, I hung out. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I hung with bad people. She got more trouble. Right. Um, but 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 never ever did I think. Okay, I need to go through their mm-hmm. private things. That you didn't do anything like that. But yeah. if I started seeing, you know, evidence that maybe you were doing drugs or something, I would have I would have told you. All right, where's your stuff? Yeah. You'd have known I was doing it. Yeah. Um, no, and, and like, that's something else. Again, I respect that because there's not this kind of hidden, I don't know when th- something's going to happen. Like, are they doing this while I'm at school? Um, no, I have a lot of respect for that. And I think that that mom was kind of the same way where she just didn't care to go through this stuff. And it seemed like she was, she was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt whenever it came to most things. And I don't think that she was a good parent, but I think that there are a lot of parents who are that way mm-hmm. of you'll have some who are genuine helicopter parents. And I don't like that. I always hated parents who do that. 
but then you have others who are more um especially whenever you get to be a young like i guess young adult it's like you need your privacy and we need to, we need to be able to trust you okay uh gun shopping so i'm i'm scooting up to that was all back in the spring this is in october um they so the friend leaves october 30th it was a shocking move because nobody knew that, that was happening and I'm wondering if there was something else that weird that was going on with it too. Like I, this is completely me speculating. I haven't seen anything about it, but you have this other kid who's best friends with this, who holds like this kid who ends up being a school shooter and the school shooter is sending him a lot of text messages like that. And it seemed like they were still very close friends throughout that time. So I don't know if the parents may have caught something that's going on with that or what, but the um, Jennifer and James, Crumbly, they didn't know that the kid left um, until they had already like left. So it was like they took off in the middle of the night. It felt like, yeah. Um, and the and Jennifer texted the mom at one point, and the mom never texted back. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. Where they use that for evidence that they figured it out and got the kid out of there? No, that was just me kind of speculating it. Yeah. Um, no, what they did use it as evidence was I think it was back in. Around April, Jennifer texted that same mom and was concerned about Ethan being sad, like having a little bit of like depression issues and stuff like that. She's trying to figure out what was going on. So she texted her like the, the kid's mom to figure out if the kids had a fight or something like that. And that might be what's causing him to be upset. So she apparently did notice whenever he was having a bad time. Um Everything so far sounds like a typical kid who didn't have, you know, a, a parent that was really paying attention. And kind all. of, yeah, and he was, he was kind of like a weird kid. He was, he was kind of, he was a bit of a, he had that one friend. Um, and I think that because he had that one friend, he wasn't really considered a loner, but he might've turned into that after the friend left or something. I'm not sure. But the mom said that she thought, like, she said that Ethan told her that he had friends at school. Um, and so I guess she just kind of took that as face value. It's like you, you have your one friend that you bring to the house, but you have other friends at school that you hang out with. That's fine. Uh, let's see. Black Friday shopping. That's whenever the dad bought the gun for the son. I think that they had a gun. No, they definitely had a gun. The kid had a 22 before this. And I think it might have been a family gun or something like that. But they would, they would all go out to the shooting range uh, enough to the point where the kid knew how to use a gun and like they were just teaching him gun safety. I also know that his parents were Trump supporters. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. Know. Well, now we understand. Yeah. I found the mom. <laughs> They're guilty. Yeah. The now mom, we know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the, it all, it's all clear now. The mom um, wrote a blog post whenever Trump became president. It was uh, November, 2016. She was uh, writing, "Dear Mister President Elect, Mister Trump." She, I don't, I didn't read the full things. So like, I don't care. What state are we in here? Michigan. Okay. Uh, and then she, I think she wrote another one. Um, I don't know, but that was a thing. And then I know the dad at one point posted on Facebook about guns. Uh, so they were, they seem to be very pro Second Amendment. Uh. The kid was talking, okay, so they had a 22. The kid was talking about buying the 9mm for a while leading up to this. 
And I think the parents just thought we do this as a hobby, as a family. Once another time, that's fine. And when I, I grew up, every man wanted a nine millimeter and under rods back. Yeah. So that, okay. So yeah, all, all of them were potential school shooters. Or maybe the only reason why this kid became a school shooter is because he didn't like her eyes. That was the, that's what kept everybody grounded. <laughs> I thought she had dementia. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, I guess they were having financial problems after 2021. So they were avoiding getting him anything else for a bit. But on Black Friday, the guns were cheaper. The dad said, I'm going to get you a Christmas present. So they went and bought a gun together. The mom said that she didn't know that they were getting a gun that day. She wasn't surprised. And the only reason she was upset about it is because every year they would go to a Christmas tree farm and cut down a tree together. And it was on that day that they were so supposed to go. So they were pre-murderers, too. And they were, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she even posted a picture on Facebook of them laughing at her at the tree farm where she killed a tree. Wow. Yes. Rotten people. I know. Uh, so she said the only reason she was upset is because it cut into their Christmas tree shopping time. Let's see. He had, <laughs> they had rented a nine millimeter before at a gun range. And Ethan said that he liked using it. He had done research online, I guess they found this later, of guns and bullets. Um, let's see. And then after they bought it, this is what people also don't like, is the mom took a picture of it and posted about it on Facebook. She said that she posted on Facebook way too much, and I've seen moms that do that, and she's definitely one of them. What was also interesting is they went through every time that she posted a picture of him on Facebook, and she posted him almost monthly. A picture of him so it's like i don't know how much she's posting about her horses but i know for sure that y'all don't have a monthly photo of me which that might have been what kind of made him moody was like stop i don't know that i have a photo of you i oh we found one the other day you were in the snow yeah it was a snow day yeah you yeah. have photos of me at the snow day i think i have photos of you at the snow day too but we don't we don't take pictures it's kind of funny even without the pictures i remember what you look like yeah i was wearing a bright pink outfit so it, it was funny and you were skinny back then oh, it's yeah. so funny you're not fat or anything but you were just like a rail yeah yeah so that was a uh, yeah i think both snow days actually were the same thing too that's funny so it's good comparison um uh, and then we can get into the gun safety part of it i've talked to somebody who owns guns and who grew up around guns and glenn. <laughs> okay i talked to them yeah this weekend uh it was somebody else not glenn because i knew that i was going to get y'all's perspective on it but they had a gun case where they would keep two guns locked up before they got this one. And then with this gun, they got a cable lock for it. There is a question of whether the cable lock was actually used. We don't know, but the mom said that it was used. Uh, she said that she wasn't the one that would lock it up, though. She said her husband would do that because he knew how to handle those things. Um, All pistols come with a cable lock. Okay, and that might be... So some people are saying that you, there was a cable lock found at a closed sealed bag showing that the cable lock was never used. Other people say, well, you, like we have several cable locks laying around the house. So it's really hard to tell what was going on with the cable lock. What we do know is that they did have keys for the locks that were hidden in beer steins throughout the house. The mom collected beer steins and she said she didn't know exactly which one it was, but something that like I would go against as far as Okay, so people are saying that they didn't keep it locked up, but as a 15-year-old kid, if you're determined to get that gun, you can find out which beer stein. All you do is see your dad put it in the beer stein once. You know, so it's sort of like that meme 
where the parents are sitting in the couch downstairs. It's a two-story house. They're downstairs, and she goes, hey, the kids are all asleep. Maybe we could watch an adult movie. Oh, there's a child lock. How do we do it? And the kid says, five, four, three, two, enter. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I they are The kids are going to know how to get, as soon as you lock something, a kid's going to figure out I how to I know how to do it. that. I actually, um, and, and I mean, like, as far as Christmas presents go, I don't, I don't really try to hide them. And I realize that now, now, as an adult, you just kind of threw them in your closet and, like, don't check on them. I checked on them one year. It was just. I kept them. All right. I'm not real. I don't feel comfortable with guns because I've been around them enough. I have never kept in our house the bullets near the guns. But I found both the bullets and the guns okay. as kids. Well, that means, what? But that's yeah. the whole thing is kids yeah, are going to find you found a Christmas present. Exactly. That's the whole thing is like whenever I found the bullets, I immediately left the bullets because y'all always made a really good point of you could accidentally hurt yourself. Right. That's, that's always what happens. Um, but I, yeah, I found, I found both of them separate times and I don't know. I can't remember how Did I you find the it. grenades. Uh, no, but I did find mom's cigarettes. (laughs) 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 But, and that's the thing too. So in Michigan at the time that this happened, there was no requirement that you keep guns locked up. Um, and so that's like another kind of interesting thing to think about. Glenn, let me ask you this real quick. How do you, if there's an intruder and your gun is locked up, how do you defend yourself? Oh, you, you tell them, Hey, hold on just a second. Well, hey. I go get my bullets out of the your ceiling. Hey, honey, go grab that and sign. then we can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. And, and, and on top of it, Glenn, on top of it, this house was haunted. He, yeah. He needed. Now, that's the ghosts thing. were moving the, the ammo, I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so like, that's, that's the big question is how is it actually stored? But even then, it didn't really seem to... Okay, this is where a lot of reasonable doubt comes in. There is a juror who came out and said the reason why she um, went against the mom is because the mom had the gun last. But there's reasonable doubt as to who had the gun last, exactly what happened. We have no clue. Yeah. Well, the kid had Does the gun that last. matter that she had him last? What's the relevance? I know. I know. I, I agree with you. But yeah, that's, that was one of that. But, but the interesting thing is I watched, I watched several like testimonies. I didn't watch the full trial because I didn't have time to and my brain was gonna explode if I kept on hearing the same stuff about this. Like I was just looking for is there anything I'm missing? And I didn't find anything. But that was one of the things where I was confused about like, did I get something wrong here? Because the mom might have had the gun last in her car, but at the same time she thought that her husband went and got it from the car. Yeah, we don't To me that's so anti Second Amendment to say, oh, she had it last. Yeah. That's so no. Mm -hmm. That's that who cares? You should see the juror who said that to you. I, I, my point is this. You guys could have gone and got that gun anytime you wanted mm-hmm. to. I never thought that one of you guys were going to go to school and shoot somebody. I was a moody kid, too. I was really weird. Was, like I was quiet. I didn't have any friends. I would spend my weekends alone watching TV. Um, the only time... And, and you can make a demon voice. Exactly. I'm very good at making demon voices. And uh, there was one time... like uh, Jim and I have talked about this before. I don't mind bringing it up because it was so long ago and it was such a fleeting moment. But I did like one time see a knife and I was like, I can kill myself right now. And so, yeah, like as a kid, you're going to have these weird thoughts. Like sometimes be depressed and whatever else. And um, it's hard as a parent to predict that because you probably never thought that, I'm assuming. 
About killing myself? No, no, no. About me thinking about killing myself. Did you ever think about that? You were a weird child. I was weird, yeah. I I, I, I worried about your mental health every now and then. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know how I didn't? Hmm. We went one time to a counselor, and I went, she's saner than we are. Yeah. She, she is playing us like a fiddle. Yeah, and and, but y'all, and that's the thing. Okay, so the people that are listening, um, he took me to a counselor, not because he was worried about me, but as a joke. Like not well, a what joke, happened is I, well, I threatened her. I threatened her. If she didn't stop doing it. I was going to take her to a counselor. Yeah, I was. I kept on. Um, I was encourageable, and I was. Uh, I was a lot to deal with. I would already always like start fights or something like that. So I took her to a counselor, and she was schooling us. I mean, I was going like, "Oh my gosh, she is playing us like a fiddle." Yeah. So if like, but um. So she, in other words, what I'm saying is, yeah. I found out she was acting crazy more than she really was crazy. Yeah. That's what came out yeah. of that. Out of that one session. I was going, she is freaking playing us. You, and, and I'm going to tell you, he asked what the problem was. And I said, I said, uh, I told her she couldn't have a tattoo. Tell her what happened. She said, I got a, I got a tattoo of Roy Orbison on my butt. <laughs> it was like our first meeting with this guy. Yeah. Like immediately, immediately sitting down. My, my point is, is that, that, there, that Sarah could have done that, I guess. But there's no way it would have been my fault. But it was interesting is that it was the flip for these parents where I don't we don't know what this kid was thinking. In fact, um, if you read some of the texts that he had with his friends and what was in his journals, he was trying to say, I've been screaming for help. I told my parents the other day that I needed help and they laughed at me. And um, I told my dad that I was like something was going on. But he just said he gave me some pills and said, suck it up or something like that. But even the kids said later on that he would make up things. And um, that was during his own trial or like around that time where he would lie about, um, I guess, how he would react with his, like, uh, like interact with his parents in that kind of way. And so they're saying that he never asked for help and that if he did, they would take it like they'd take him to hospitals or whatever for injuries and whatnot if they had, if he had been expressing a legitimate health like need. For mental help, the mom would have gotten it for him, but she just didn't know. And she thought he was playing pranks on her. And like that was the same thing with all of the um haunted stuff, is she thought that he was just making haha funny jokes. Um and didn't take it seriously. If I had a fourteen or fifteen year old who thought a house was haunted, I would go, You're being silly. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. Um so yeah, she goes off into like all the gun safety stuff. It really was it like all all she really mentioned was the cable lock, um, but again, that's not even required to keep it put away. And it's my understanding what what, what I if I had to guess what was actually happening is they probably took the gun case and they probably took the bullets and they kept them separately. But, all right, let me just take a real step back, just real quick. Yeah, I want to make sure I got this that, that they what they did was they they went back and picked out things that they thought made it where she knew or should have known her son was about to. Yes, that's what they were doing. And it was text messages to his friends, and it was journal entries. Yeah. So that was... And the- I would not have caught either one of those. No, no, not at all. And it, was, and it was horseback riding and having affairs. Horseback riding and affairs, yeah. So those, those, are the, those also led up to it. Um, now, these, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. So that was um, Black Friday. And then a couple of days later, um, November 27th, he asked his mom if she wanted to go to the gun range. And she said, he never invited me just by myself to go to the gun range. I was really excited about having a 
um, Mother Sunday. They went out there. People say it's bone chilling. They saw a, a video of him shooting the gun at the gun range. They have like surveillance video. Why is that bone chilling? Yeah, well, that's what's interesting to me is like, okay, if he didn't have the context of him being a school shooter, that really did just look like a kid going to the gun range because they were like, he was even smiling at one point. It's like, yes, that's every child in the South. It makes a boom sound and then it tears crap up. It's a, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, like you boom. should have seen me shooting Tannerite one time. I, I was laughing and giggling the entire time. You see, that is an <laughs> attack on the Second Amendment yeah. to say a mother takes her son to the shooting range and they and they enjoy shooting together. Mm-hmm. That that is bone chilling. Yes. Yep. Um Well they don't want to see Glenn. Uh, yeah. This, this is obviously people who never handled guns mm-hmm. nor have they ever gone to a shooting range. And um let's see. So she put the I, I would I would love to know the questions that they ask the jurors. When yeah. they were screening for jurors. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, well, okay. If you see the juror that's come out and talked about it, I'm not surprised that well, she was the foreman, and oh yeah, so she she and she looked uh she looked younger, but exactly what I would expect an anti Second Amendment person to look like. Um, and apparently it started off where like there was a mixture in the jurors, um, of what side they were on but ultimately i think that she was like we presented arguments or something like that and ultimately everybody agreed uh so that was november 27th and people again were just flipping their flipping out because the mom posted about it later on on facebook saying mother's sunday with the gun yeah how could you get more american than that i know um I guess yeah. the father. Have the father, fun afterwards. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, then nothing happened the next. So that was a Saturday. Nothing happened on Sunday, apparently. Monday, though, um, that Monday was November 29th. This was the day before the shooting. That's whenever he gets caught looking up bullets on his phone. And I saw a video of one of the testimonies of the dean of the school, and I'm really glad that I watched this because they, at this point, it had been sprinkling in that there were some issues with this kid at school. Um, I think I, I can't remember if I got a timeline or not on this, but there was a counselor who gave a better, uh, it, was, it was more clear exactly what was going on at different times of the year in May. Um, a, a teacher sent a message to the counselor saying that she was worried about Ethan because he was sleeping in class all the time. <laughs> uh oh, that made me one because I slept almost every day. Why in so school. many kids that My did entire that? time I was there, I needed a nap. They didn't have nap time, so whenever was after lunch, I went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And they left me alone. I think I, even I slept a couple times in class. Yeah. I, I did every day. And I'm not as, I was not its class sleeper, but I, I even did that a couple of times. And I know a lot of other people who would do that. It just depends on what class you're into. Let's see. Then we've got September 8th, um, same year. Could you please touch with base with Ethan Crumbly and his autobiography of Spanish class? Autobiography poem. He said that he feels terrible and his family is a mistake. Unusual response for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. No, I wouldn't have. No. I wouldn't want my dad to see that because he'd, he'd have verified it. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, the, the school counselor responded saying, thanks for the heads up. I'm in senior meetings throughout the day, but I will try to catch up. That's to me. That's nothing. No, that's nothing. And then uh, November 10th, Ethan Crumbly is having a rough time right now. This is the same teacher. He might need to speak with you. Uh, and, and the re- re- uh, counselor responded, sorry, I was in a meeting through the What year is this? Same year. All of this is what, what year? What, what, I 2021. COVID crap. Yeah, it was COVID crap. Like that was the big thing. And that's going to play, that's going to play a role a little bit later on. So uh, again, the response, like the counselor said, sorry, I was in a meeting throughout the end of the day. I will catch up with him. So those are three times throughout the year. But I think the worst one would have been my parent, my family's mistake. Yeah. I'm saying that right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not about to kill anybody. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about my family family that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to do with them. You know, I'm not trying to wash, put my dirty laundry out there, but they, they, they've all been very successful. Yeah. But I might, I might have written something like that at some point in my you're, life. Yeah, you're, you're separate from them. So Monday, 1129, they, the, one of the teachers caught him scrolling on his phone for bullets. The school counselor either heard her, heard somebody leave a voicemail for him, or they, it was actually the school counselor that left a voicemail. But it was basically saying, Hey, we had a meeting today with your son about um, him looking up bullets online. That's kind of inappropriate for school. Um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the mom said that uh, that they weren't requesting that she go up to the school or anything like that in the voicemail. Apparently, everybody listened to it. So that's what was said. I don't think she would have. they would have listened to it and immediately lied about it. Um, but yeah, then the, the dean of this school. He apparently knew about this, too, at one point. I guess he was updated on it. And they were asked, like, were you concerned about this kind of behavior? And it was during hunting season that this apparently happened. And he said no, because every kid, um, like, that was a normal thing to do throughout that time of the year. And he said even, um, what was it, on Wednesday mornings, they would, they had, like, they would show up to school late or something like that. It was like a late start Wednesday is what they would call it. And so kids would use that Wednesday to go hunting. And so Thursday at like afternoon or whatever, they would leave a message for the kids saying, make sure to leave all your guns at home whenever you get to school. Like, don't bring them in your car. <laughs> yeah. All right, Glenn, how many, how many bullets is too many? <laughs> there is such a thing. Um, it does not exist. <laughs> that's an imaginary well, here's, number. Here's why, y'all. Um, first off, uh, there's been, and we'll talk about this later, I think, in the week, legislation that they're trying to tax or ban ammunition, and they do this regularly. And if you look at what Obama was saying, I'm going to you know, make you know, AR-15s illegal, had the biggest single year of sales for AR-15s in the history of Gun sales. All right. So, so uh, you've answered my question. We're going to run out of time. Well, I'm going to push. Uh, I'm sorry. But no, no. Um, the, but, but the point I'm making is that even the school recognizes that looking at bullets is probably not as bad as looking at a topless woman there. Mm-hmm. You know, he would if it, it would, uh, Jim got caught one time looking at girls in bikinis. Mm-hmm. I took him out for a steak that night. Yep. But I made, but I did tell the school punish him appropriately. Yes. And that's I think that's that's what happened with the mom, too. She said that 
according to the voicemail, she could tell what they did. They sat him down and they had like some kind of like meeting with him about this is not appropriate to do at school. And so the mom said, I thought that the school handled it fine enough. And then later on, that's whenever she sent like next time, don't get caught. Like she texted him about it. I think that, okay, I, I wish I knew what his response to those text messages were because she sent him a text saying, seriously, looking at bullets at school, question mark. And he sent a longer text messages, but he seemed to be very concerned about him getting in trouble, himself getting in trouble. Um, and that's whenever she, she responded next time, don't get caught. But she said that was kind of in a joking way because she said back in, like, he knew that she would get in trouble back in high school. And she would always say it's because, like, my friends did it too, but I was always the one that, get, that got caught. So that was kind of like a running joke is what she said between them. It's like, just don't get caught. Um, which, again, not Well, I mean, you think about how I handled Jim. Yeah. yeah. I, I did. I said, same. I said that was stupid for you to do that, mm -hmm. but I'm glad you're not gay. Let's go have a stay. Yeah, exactly. So that was, I think that she had a very similar response there. Let's see. So that was Monday. And then Monday night, they got into a fight because the mom got on their, their little uh, app for the school and realized that he missed another assignment or something along those lines. They had a fight and they, she said that she took his gun, away, uh, his phone away. Actually, I'm glad that I said gun and then phone because people were getting one to her because during her testimony, she said, yes, out of, um, we were trying, we got one to him. So we took his shooting something away and we took his gun away, but she meant to say his phone. And later on he was like, and you took his gun away. And she's like, no, we didn't take his gun away. Because, like I was thinking she's because they, he didn't have the gun in the first place. And he's like, you said you're his gun. And she, I think that she really was trying to say his phone in that situation. But, but she clarified, no, we took his phone away. Um, and something happened where he was like either locked outside of the house or he was outside of the house. I don't know. But later that night, and this is what is kind of confusing. He did have his phone and he recorded a long video of basically his problems with the world. Um, it, it, I listened to the full thing. It was just kind of just, again, a teenager who realizes that growing up isn't like this magical experience. Um, and he realized like you're you're gonna be working in nine to five and uh whatever else. I don't know. But very negative view towards the world. Then Tuesday, November thirtieth, I think like that was also whenever in that video he said that he was gonna shoot the school tomorrow. Uh Tuesday he sent his friend a text message saying that he was about to go do something that he could take back. Uh and it was interesting because he got in trouble twice that day. The first time he got in trouble was he was watching a video of somebody shooting people and they don't know if it was from a movie they don't know if it was an actual thing the teacher who saw it said we thought it was just a movie but we still wanted him to get um kind of like have somebody discuss it so the counselor he went and talked to ethan for a little bit about it and i think that he said like ethan said that it was just from a movie scene or something and the counselor took his word for it so that was kind of it for a little bit um, then the incident with the paper happens where he was drawing on his school paper. And this was, uh, this was when the mom got involved. Uh, the teacher sent a picture. So it was two pictures, but it was of the same thing kind of. Okay. So like he drew the picture first. Um, I have a side-by-side -side photo of it, but it has a gun. It has I don't even know what this guy is supposed to be, but it does look like Batman. Mom thought he said she thought he was drawing Batman. Uh, he, he wrote blood everywhere. The thoughts won't stop. Help me. My life is useless. The world is dead. 
Um, I think that was it. And he realized the teacher saw it and he started, the teacher saw it, she took a picture of it and he scratches it out really quickly afterwards. So there's two pictures, one where it's original, one of the scratched out stuff. The mom got the scratched out stuff first. And it's funny because the school counselor even said um, that you couldn't tell what, like that there was a gun that was drawn on the paper or a lot of other things. Like you can see blood everywhere, anything like that. He, he scratched out the gun. Every, every teenager is very good at being able to block out their doodle. Yes. We all get good at that. Yeah, we, we can write to, notes we and we out. can figure out ways where you can't possibly even look at the indention underneath. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's, we all know how to, to do that. that. So he did that. Mom gets the first one and she was pissed off because she was like, he's just retaliating against our argument yesterday. Um, so she, they were like, can you please come up here? She starts going up there. Um, I think that she, she asked for the second photo. And they sent it to her and she realized, or like the second photo was actually the, the edited, the right. unedited version. She got the first version second. Yes. And so she sends it to her husband and says, in all caps, emergency. And he responds, my God, W2F. And she said um, he was distraught about last night. So she thinks that it had to do with their fight the night before. And I think at this point, everybody, including the counselor, thinks it's suicidal. So they're driving up to the school. Before they actually get there, the counselor was able to sit down with the kid for an hour. And I think this is another very important thing. This counselor, I think everybody agrees we all like him. He seems to genuinely care about the student. He explained what they talked about during that time leading up to it. He realized that the kid enjoyed video games. And he was like, hey, there's a program that's part of the school that actually like allows you to get into the kind of graphics and stuff like that where you can start kind of getting into video games and everything. So they have a very a productive conversation. And ultimately, everything ends like the parents get there. They're for they're there for about fifteen minutes. The mom did text her boss before saying, "I'm going to be back in about an hour." So I guess she expected to be about an hour long meeting, and then she would go back home. So she wasn't thinking that it was going to be like it was going to lead to a shooting, obviously. And people get onto her about giving it a deadline of an hour, but I think that that sounds normal. Like you're again, you're just kind of. I'll go talk to them about their problems and we'll deal with it later at home. Um, so they get there, have a conversation. Um, the mom gets a bunch of resources on different mental health professionals. She said, okay, so the counselor, people are getting on her for not taking the kid home immediately after this because the counselor was like, he's kind of depressed and he has having problems, especially after his friend left and everything. Uh, she said, I can't take him today. As in, take him to a counselor because that's all the school is requesting is, can you get him to a counselor? And she says, yes, I will take him to a counselor. And she said this entire time that she's going to take him to a counselor, but she couldn't do it that day. And she wasn't going to take him that home that day. And it was kind of agreed upon because she had to go back to her work. Her husband had to go back to work. Financial problems, so couldn't just take off for a full day. And he was going to be home alone, and they didn't want that. So he, he even asked, I would be better for me if you're on my peers. I want to stay at school. So they're all like, you stay at school and then I guess deal with it later whenever you get home, especially because everybody thought, including the counselor, that he was just depressed and potentially suicidal, not homicidal. Um, and then what was the second part? That, that uh, Yeah, the her taking the kid home. That was like a lot of emphasis was put on that by literally everybody in the case. Um, even the counselor, he said, we weren't asking her to take him home that day. And they were only asking about the counseling and he was going to check in. 48 hours later to see if she'd actually gotten him a counselor. Yes. 
uh, what was it? Nobody thought to go look for the gun right then? No, and that was something the dean was asked, and I think the counselor was asked. And the counselor wasn't allowed. He didn't have the authority to even request that. The dean said, no, there wasn't enough suspicious evidence of that, and they didn't think that he was a harm to anybody at that point, even after talking to him for that long of a time. That was what was so interesting about their testimonies alone, where outside of the parents, these people got to see this kid's mental health more than anybody else. It's all like they had all the the email exchanges between the um, the teachers to the counselor. The counselor talked to him a couple of times, and then after the school meeting, they said we did not have enough reasonable suspicion to think that he had any kind of weapons or that he was going to hurt anybody. And it's like, so if you didn't have any of that. After talking to him, like, what are the parents? I don't, I don't understand. Uh, so the mom leaves. She sends a text message at one point to her son saying, um, you know, you can talk to me, right? Or something along those lines. And then shortly after he sends, I love you. She said that she was at a meeting at work and didn't see it until like 20 minutes later. She responds, I love you too. And then that's shortly after, I think, whenever, um, the shooting starts happening. They get word of it. Um, her and her husband realized based on, I think all the information they got that day, that if there was a shooter, it would probably be him. And so they had a freak out moment. That's whenever she said that, um, she realized that he was likely the school shooter and school shooters kill themselves. So that's why she sent the don't do it because she didn't want him to kill himself. And, that's kind of where we're at here. So what's the evidence that, that, that they. I think that the heart people's heartstrings were pulled onto. I think that it, because they were able to get those journal diaries in, which is, I, I, I don't understand how this happened because that would be hearsay. Uh, if it was the journal of Ethan, that'd be hearsay. Right. But you're not admitting it for the purpose of, of proving the truth there. Why? Wait, but they. You're saying that what would be the mental, what what would she, how would she, should she have reacted? She didn't know about the journals, though. Yeah, then there's. She didn't know about the journals. And what they were trying to admit, for the truth of the matter asserted, was that in the journals, he wrote um, that he had tried to talk to his parents. And it was the same thing, the text messages with his friends, that he had tried to talk to the parents. And this was. This they admitted was, those journals for what would they say the reason they admitted them? I don't know. I, I didn't see that. I think that it was an evidentiary hearing before the trial started. I, I guess I should try to find it. But that was interesting to me. Uh, something else that's, that kind of was frustrating is that in his text messages, he sent he sent a message to his friend saying, um, I told my mom that I was um, that I needed some kind of like help. And she just laughed at me. And in her cross-examination, um, the the cross examiner like the prosecutor he was saying your son sent this message right and she said i don't deny that and people were saying i don't deny like that she was trying to say i don't deny that i laughed at him about that mental health problem she's saying no i don't deny that he sent that message so i think that people were getting things twisted and allowing their like emotions to get involved where you're reading these journals between this kid and i think that people did end up feeling really bad for the kid because he was having a lot of emotions well, I mean, and of course, you, you you presented the evidence the way a prosecutor would, or you decided you're for, yeah, right. And so I get that, but I don't get any sense that either parent thought that he was going to go do that. that no, that there was even a chance of it. 
Mm-mm. What they're really saying is, is that you were super negligent. And I don't even know that they were that. Mm-mm. I don't even, to me, I don't even have that feeling. I have this feeling like, it, you know, again, it's, you said at the last podcast, I think that so if, if let's suppose that my brother goes off and does that, okay, I'm sure that I could start putting together things in his life. Yes. That make me go, oh man, I should have seen that. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Yep. And and so I guarantee you that um and I'm a soul searcher. You know that. I, I I will do that because I really do believe the only way you get better in life is everything time something happens. If I get into an argument with Glenn, I'm going and I'm not gonna try to figure out what Glenn did wrong. I'm going to find out what I did to cre- create it because I can't stop Glenn yeah. from being who he is. Yeah. So I always soul searched and I would go, man, I should have seen Sarah was going to do that. Yeah. The reason I thought that that one hour long conversation that he had with the counselor was so interesting is because in, um, I think there was a journal entry where he talked about how he would kill birds, but he wanted a teacher to catch him because if they caught him, they could finally sit down and talk to him about what the problem is. And that would that would finally be the help that he needed to get out of all of this. And it would stop him from doing that. But that's what the counselor did that day is an hour. Like uh, an hour, hour. his time's amazing. Yeah. For an hour, they sat down and they were able to go through all the problems of the friend leaving, the dog dying, the aunt dying, uh, uh, like all of this stuff. He probably left that thinking he did some good that day. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and, and there was that positive of Ethan was there in the meeting while this was happening, the positive of y'all are going to go get him mental health counseling after this. Right. And so, yeah, you're left with all of that. Uh, and the counselor said, sadness is not a common threatening response. And that's really all the kid had was sadness at that time. So. All right. And we're running out of time. Yeah. This, this yeah. Is, I, I do want. I always like comments from Dwayne and Glenn uh, and, and amazing. I assume Dwayne's on here. He's been so quiet, but I, um, you know, I, my, my gut reaction when I saw that again, it, I was at the time I was just headlining. I didn't have time to really read anything. I saw that headline and I thought this is anti second amendments, what this is. And I'm still convinced that's what it was. I'm, I'm convinced that, that it, to me, it's, it's, it's bad enough that those parents have to live with the fact that their son did that. And that perhaps they were negligent, but they would never have allowed that to happen had they anticipated that he would take a gun to school. They didn't see that. There was no evidence that he would do that. And it's in a blue state. It's a, I'm sure you can find purple-haired people to convict, convict you of anything involving a gun. But basically, they're trying. I think they're trying to outlaw having guns. That's what they're doing. If all right, you know, all right. There's this real quick. I'm going to say this because I thought about this while she was was talking. They have this this theory in tort uh, tort meaning uh, civil wrong that if you ha- are doing certain types of activities that you are strictly liable without even proving fault. And one of them would be handling dynamite. So if you're doing something that's involving dynamite and you hurt somebody, it doesn't matter if you did it safely or not. You're, you're negligent. You're, you're going to be at fault. I think that's what they're doing with guns. I think they're saying if you if a gun gets used in any way that's negligent, then you're 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 criminally liable. Well, then that's taking away the Second Amendment. At that point, like if you have again, if you have a gun at your bedside table that's used for defense, like if somebody comes into the house and that's what uh, the, the only reason that I think liberals somewhat 
would give a pass of having a gun is for self-defense in that kind of way, potentially. But that's even taking that that yeah. part of it away because the, the gun's useless if it's locked away with a right. with a cable lock and your bullets are somewhere else and the keys somewhere else. It's like, okay, well, what's this gun for? I knew I was giving up self-defense when I did that. Yes. And and then it's like, okay, if it has to be stored that way, then it's not used for self-defense and it's not used for self-defense while you have fun. So what I Glenn or, or Dwayne, Dwayne, you wanna got anything to say? I think you have convinced me, Sarah. <laughs> Yeah. That this is complete legal incompetence on their defense. Oh, the the oh, the attorney's horrible, horrible. So why wouldn't that be a good grounds for a retrial if you could prove it's just unreasonably inadequate? Well, I mean, I'm sure they asked. Right, so a retrial is at the at the district court level, and that's the judge that let all that crap in. So you probably had no much chance of of doing it at that level. No on appeal. You probably do have a chance, but man, nobody likes that. Nobody likes trying to win it in a, in a court of appeal. So, they, I'll answer that part. Yeah. You know, uh, but but I'm that's just, that is, I was going to ask her. She watched the trial, and yeah. so and he wasn't any good. The, no, it was a she. She was not any good. At, she was horrible. Um, just throughout throughout testimony and stuff, she would get one to the the prosecutors. I can hear y'all talking there and it's just it's really throwing me off because i can hear you say objection and i know that you're like they're not making an objection but like they're just talking about it over there mm. and it's like oh my god and they they would have full out um arguments in front of the jurors about what like uh, evidence and it would be not just a short statement or anything like that it would like one of them i skipped through about a minute of them going back and forth in a very childlike way if I'm screening trying to get jurors on the pool, I'm making damn sure I got at least two solid people <laughs> that use guns on a regular basis yeah. and aren't that respect them but aren't afraid of them. And it doesn't sound like there was any because if I was on the jury and I heard basically what you just presented, I would be the fly in the ointment like 12 angry men. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't let it go. I'm not budging right now. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's obvious that, well, obvious this is a bad term. It looks like uh, that the jury had very little experience with guns. They may not have been opposed to guns when they were deposed, you know, for jury duty, but they didn't grow up with them. They didn't probably ever shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 really does bother me that anytime you are found responsible for criminal acts of somebody else, it's to me it's so it needs to be absolutely clear without any doubt about it. And for instance, again, I've said this before. If I take a, if I take a three year old grandson, let's say, and say here here's a pistol, go play guns with your dad, and shoot your dad with this. <laughs> that's I'm guilty. Yeah, you know, you did that. You can you can say you didn't pull the trigger, yeah. but you did. Yeah. But this idea that you can that you can try to piece together something and say, oh, you know, you you should have locked that up, or you should have done this, you done that. I'm telling you right now, my kids would have found the key. My oh, you know, I I I found your bullets and I found your gun as a kid. Uh okay. My concern with all of this is that there was a lot of mumbo jumbo around it. Like this was obviously not the only evidence pre presented. There was a lot of um 
a lot more emotional evidence. Uh, there was a lot of more evidence about the horses, even though, again, whenever I heard it, it was really just like it's a hobby that she has and she's not the best parent. She wasn't there all the time. But uh, if my like I was seriously just trying to break this down as much as I could to figure out what could the parents based on the evidence presented, what could the parents have known was going on with their kid at the time? And it just it, there was so much reasonable doubt as to um, how he was behaving around them, like whether it was to the point of recognizing there was something more than just a little bit of depression. It was actual homicidal. And there was nothing, nothing that the parents had access to that showed that they should have known about this. Um, yeah. Well, I do have one, one last question about it, about the, now the parents lived together or they did at that point. They did. They did. The fault that I really have for them is, is when they started realizing the, the shift in his mood, why didn't they give him PJ's coffee that morning? <sighs> Well, you know, I cannot definitively say that uh, PJ's coffee would have solved this problem. However, I think if the jurors had had some PJ's coffee in Harden, uh, if they had been able to deliberate there. And, his att- uh, and her attorney. And her attorney. And her attorney. And her, his attorney, yeah. Her attorney. Uh, had they been able to uh, sit down to contemplate these issues, they would have seen that this is a travesty of justice. And uh, they would have been able to do that with delicious pastries, uh, all natural Red Bull, and of course, boosted teas, breakfast and lunch sandwiches, and of course, Zaps chips, which would have just sealed the deal, if you know what I mean. So, Thank you all. Sorry, Sarah, thank you for spending the time doing that. Thank you, Dwayne, as always. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, of course, tomorrow is going to be Wednesday. That's the Wednesday podcast. Uh, that was an interesting discussion that we've already recorded. And I will go ahead and tell you that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got another. We, we could have done this tomorrow. Tomorrow is law day. We'll figure out what we're going to talk about tomorrow. That will actually be podcast on Monday. And it's so fun seeing Glenn try to work through this labyrinth. If he didn't have PG's, PJ's coffee, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Dwayne, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, Glenn. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.